Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, Welcome to the Realmcast. I am your host, the Mortal Kombat fan, Tim. And with me, as always, is my co-host, our lore master, Yanni. Welcome, Yanni. Thanks, Phantom. This week, we have writer Jeremy Adams with us. Welcome, Jeremy. Hey, thanks for having me. Thanks so much for joining us. Most of our listeners would know you as the screenplay writer for Mortal Kombat Scorpion's Revenge. Woo woo. <laughs> yeah. Now on HBO Max. Watch it. Watch it. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, it just got released uh, on HBO Max, and I've already watched it about three more times, not counting <laughs> times leading up to the live action movie release. So, <laughs> oh, that's good. Well, I'm glad you liked it. I mean, it like it was just an unusual project because what had happened was I'm constantly talking about martial arts uh, mm-hmm. around the office to the point that people are like, "Could you just shut up?" Uh, you know, and I, I was I, I would be talking about it a lot about DC Comics because I really like the DC Comics uh, martial arts scene, uh, which inevitably led to uh, the movie I did with Bruce Tim called Batman Soul of the Dragon, which is martial arts oriented. Yeah. And what happened was, I guess, I guess Sam Registers, the president of Warner Animation, um, got together with NetherRealm, Ed Boon and stuff, and they were going to do an animated thing. And everybody was just like, oh, we have to. Jeremy's the only one that can do this because he's just (laughs) nuts about video games and he's nuts about everything and especially martial arts. And so, you know, they it was really interesting because it was like originally the mandate was we want to make it we want to do it a little different and Mm -hmm. so i had to kind of you know it's hard because you guys are mortal Kombat fans it's a huge history it's a huge Mm -hmm. uh lore and i really thought okay i'm only gonna have this many minutes to tell uh, a mortal Kombat story like what do you do how Mm -hmm. do you do it how do you bring people on board? And originally, we were going to focus more on uh, the Scorpion angle, but there was also requests from you know other people, like, "Hey, we need to really you know work on that you know pivot onto the first tournament too." So uh, it's really it's an interesting thing because I, I had a great time making it. Uh, there were some things like Jennifer Carpenter and Sonia, but Joe Michaela Johnny Cage was like like <laughs> otherworldly to me that really. <laughs> made us laugh and um rick who's the executive producer which in animation circles is kind of like the the guy who puts it all together and ethan who's the director um and in fact on the dvd which is funny is they have an audio commentary a it was the first audio commentary i've ever done and b um i hadn't seen the movie and so it was like okay, let's do the audio commentary. And I'm screaming through half the movie going, <laughs> oh my gosh, because I had only seen a snippet of when Hanzo just goes total ham on everybody in the village uh-huh. uh, originally, because what uh, I got, I'm, I'm scatterbrained. Talk about scatterbrained. I had written the script. I had turned it in. NetherRealm told me it was too violent and too vulgar. And I said, what? <laughs> I go, Have you paid attention to your you, what you're doing? Because it's you do it way more than me. So I scaled it back. But then the storyboard guys who are, were just like let loose, 
you know, ramped it up to 11. Oh, yeah. And, and I was like, oh, my gosh. And, and <laughs> the, only, the only thing that's sad is I wish we would have been able because it came out like a couple weeks after COVID, I think, uh-huh. or something like that. It was like a month after COVID really shut down the states. Otherwise, we would uh, we were supposed to premiere it, I think, in New York, and we were going to have like a, oh wow, like a, a like it would have been a perfect midnight movie, honestly, yeah. a real perfect midnight movie. But um, it was really fun to take a little spin on it, and hopefully, uh, we'll get to see more. So, were you a Mortal Kombat fan before you actually wrote this? Yeah, well, I mean, a, a kid uh, of a certain age, basically, what happened was. Uh, you know, you'd go to, we used to have these pizza joints that had arcade games. And I don't know, if, I feel like Street Fighter came out first. I don't, I'm not sure if that's right. But uh, I remember everybody playing Street Fighter. And mm-hmm. then suddenly Mortal Kombat showed up. And it felt like we were getting away with something naughty playing. Yeah. With, playing <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like somebody get uppercutted off the bridge into the spikes. And we're looking around like, if our parents see this, we are dead. <laughs> they are gonna they are gonna straight fatality yes you know and then i could only play raiden fairly well my friend was a scorpion freak and he would keep you know jumping off the screen hitting me from the other side and i'm like i hate you and, 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 and there was no internet so we were trying to figure out how to do the fatalities and somebody would figure it out we're like how could you possibly figure that out? i mean you spent gobs of quarters on this thing you know so obviously i was a fan of the game and then the 95 movie came out and i i like the 95 movie a lot mm-hmm. so uh i mean it's not as gory obviously uh, but at that time i was obsessed with highlander so christopher lambert was in i was like i have oh, yeah. this uh and then you had you know johnny cage i still think it was a great you know intro to johnny cage this is mm-hmm. the part where you fall down i think was the <laughs> video. and um and it was what it was honestly up until that point it's like every video game movie was terrible like double i shouldn't say terrible but pretty much was like mario brothers it was definitely terrible yeah double dragon even though oh. i love mark dacascos it was like oh maybe not and uh, <laughs> you know but this was like it was relatively good with really good martial art choreography like there's that fight between johnny and scorpion that's just so good and i since found out it was funny but when i moved to la i was i'm living in this apartment and our next door neighbor is a former stunt guy who worked on score on uh, mortal Kombat, and um i i ended up talking to him because i love martial art movies and he was telling me oh yeah i worked on mortal Kombat, and it was all the hapkido guys that i ended up learning from uh, myself but like uh, just this really fast-paced martial arts uh, fight scenes that I really like because there was this there's this tendency now in martial art movies to move in close because maybe the actors don't know martial arts so they'll shake they'll shake the camera and they'll be so close you don't know really what's going on mm-hmm. and when you get a movie mm-hmm. like Raid Redemption or even you know the MK95 it's like they pull back and you can actually see these people kick and move and it's it, it can be really quite fun but then obviously the lore uh, started getting deeper and deeper and I lost track of it I don't know some, somewhere in the middle and I'd play the games and I would you know get them or whatever and skip through and then as i started jumping back into it especially as i was trying to just make it make sure i wasn't go, being too egregious with the lore because it's intense and it's mm-hmm. intensive um dominic over at nether realm and ed uh boone really in, instructive like hey listen you can't do this you can do that you can you can push it here but you can't push it there because we really we only had a limited time to make you know, a limited space to make a Mortal Kombat movie. And it's like, are we going to hit all the points? No. But like, you know, do I want to touch on the Kamidago? Do I want to touch on like all the other pieces? It's like, yeah, absolutely. But it's such a deep, deep lore 
that it's going to take much longer to yeah. get everything. But we got the tournament, we got the characters, we got the main premise, you know, so. And Shinnok's amulet, like, uh-huh. you, you managed to sneak in a lot of things into this movie. Well, even the Quan Chi, the, the element of, like, yep. you know, Sub-Zero not being Sub-Zero. Like, we were we were trying to do that stuff. Listen, I'm not lying. I know that New Line wanted to see our script and animatics before they even shot their movie. And I was very surprised when I watched uh, the live action. I was like, hey, this opening looks really familiar. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's one of those. I think what I love about Mortal Kombat in general, it's almost like what G.I. Joe was when I was growing up. It's this weird pastiche of things like, oh, it has ninjas and it has wizards and it has Mm. guys with guns. And, you know, it's like that's the type of stuff. It has a little bit of everything. The perfect blend. Yes, the perfect blend. And they just kind of they did exactly like I don't know how familiar you are with G.I. Joe. But when it came out, the thing that was glorious about it was like, here are these action figures. But then you flip the toy on the back and it would have a file card. Yeah you know, it tell you, it tell you everything about uh, the character and it gave you kind of a bit of a story and it invested you in it. And I think that's what Mortal Kombat's done. It's like, here are all these characters and we want to give you a little bit of story about them and what, why they're here and what they're doing. And then with the realms and the fight between the realms, like all that stuff is really, really cool. I was just thinking, I found it interesting that you mentioned, you know, the, the whole Johnny and Scorpion fight and, you, you know, your love for the 95 movie and such. Because I think as Scorpion's Revenge released this that was right when we started the podcast and yeah, we totally. actually reviewed scorpion's revenge as we interviewed chris casamasa who played scorpion oh, in the movie that's funny that's <laughs> great. let's talk about a little bit more about your history with mortal kombat you know before we jump too much into the movie did you have a favorite character growing up with the series well okay so i'm a sucker for a couple of different archetypes one i love Liu kang but that's just because I love Ryu. I love any dude with a headband that like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, is the chosen one. It's like, oh, you got me at the chosen one. Uh, I, I, I really like Liu Kang. I, I love Johnny Cage, but like, you got to understand when Johnny Cage appeared, it was like, I was on the Van Damme train. Like you would not, you know, I was like, John Claude Van Damme is the greatest human being ever. You know? and, and, and I was like, this guy's straight out of Bloodsport. So I love that. So I always kind of followed that. I like how pompous he kind of became as the you know the series went on yeah scorpion is the wolverine right like he's the guy that (laughs) i just kind of find myself going i don't you know especially at the beginning it's like i don't i don't know who this guy is but he throws a spear and yells get over here and (laughs) fyi like one of my friends was so obsessed with it and we were really into martial arts i remember him challenging this guy at a dojo this i mean this is a true story he was supposed to be quote unquote a wing chun master and my friend the only martial art training he had ever had was playing mortal Kombat. And <laughs> he, was like, he was straight up like okay listen dude you know uh you know your kung fu's garbage and this guy's okay let's spar and so my friend put and i i have a videotape somewhere i don't know where but we put he puts on gloves and he starts fighting him and i swear to you all he's trying to do is like mortal Kombat and street fighter move on this weird chunk guy, and I'm telling you, he's winning. And we're like, we're like, what is happening? And in the middle of the fight, he goes, "Get over here!" And he like dives at the guy, and I was like, "Are you? This is happening!" Like it was so funny. Uh, it was, it was really, it was the coolest thing ever. But yeah, it was, uh, it was really, really funny. So there, so I have an affection for Scorpion. I have, I have more of an affection now. Because once I got in, you know, to the nitty gritty of Scorpion and I thought, 
here's a guy, here's the John Wick of it is my family was killed, you know? And then mm-hmm. it's like, I, I was killed, but it's like, I'm, I'm, I want revenge so bad. I'm willing to fight Come my back. way out of hell. Yeah. You know, it's like, <laughs> it's such a cool, like what? I, I could have done the whole movie. Just that. You know, uh-huh. and, and in Scorpion's Revenge, it's like, you know, there's different retcons about where he gets his spear chain. And I, I was like, I love the idea. And what we put in the movie, obviously, is that he's being that's what he's being hung up by and tortured by these demons. And that's the thing that becomes his weapon, you know, the oh, thing yeah. that's yeah. prison. And yeah, so th- th- I, I really like Scorpion too. But but listen, Johnny Cage doing the splits, hitting people in the balls is is always going to be funny. <laughs> to me. Uh, you know, Luke oh, Cage, we have a question you know, about I, that later on, actually. So. Uh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> wait, 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 about Sonya kicking him in the balls? <laughs> because I I will tell you, I had more of that in the script, and they were like, uh, oh they, they, they literally like, okay, dude, like we can't we can't have her kick him in the balls anymore. And I go, but it's hilarious, like. <laughs> That's really yeah, we'll jump into that. <laughs> so all these characters you mentioned are basically from Mortal Kombat 1. What would you say your favorite Mortal Kombat game is? Oh man, that's tough, dude. Uh, <laughs> I'm trying to think. Was it was it X when they started doing the X-ray stuff more? Yes. Uh, and well, nine, 9 as too. well. 9 started yeah, them, really. 9 started it, yeah. I thought that was cool. I mean, I, I was playing some of the Mortal Kombat 11 stuff. And it's just, it's so violent. I mean, Mortal <laughs> Kombat X is so violent. Like they're all, they get progressively just so, <laughs> yeah. so vicious. Like I know you guys are going to talk about fatalities and I, we had to go through like the last game and we're, we were just kind of like looking at the fatalities and we're just looking at each other like <laughs> no one could ever like I was like, they can never say we're too violent. Never. Right. Because this is just out of control. <laughs> By the time Eleven came out, they started doing uh, like that facial recognition stuff. And uh, I said this before, it, it made it too real for me. <laughs> oh, I couldn't handle it. It's too much. It's too much. <laughs> so like it's also weird because you're, I'm going to confuse some of this stuff. So you'll have to forgive me. When did Cassie Cage and those guys jump in? X. Mm-hmm. It was LX. I had spreadsheets upon spreadsheets and Wikipedia's <laughs> out to try to keep everything right. Um, you need that for Mortal Kombat, so don't worry. Yeah, I know you really do because you're also like, okay, are they rebooting it? Are they, what are they doing? How are they doing it? Especially the first few because, you know, the main premise of Mortal Kombat being like, oh yeah, this tournament happens once in a generation. And then it's like, well... You know, the second one, it's like, well, we're going to just kind of fix that a little bit. So, you know, um, I really had to uh, walk a thin line. It it, it is interesting you say that, though. That's a a hard question. What are your guys's? Myself, I love Mortal Kombat 2. Like, why? It's always because that that was my main intro into the game. You know, that's when, you know, Mortal Kombat 1 had the graphics and stuff, but they weren't quite there yet. Like it was it was almost like a concept. And then Mortal Kombat 2 is when it all fleshed out and you're seeing real people fighting on a on a video game screen. And it's just crazy for me. Right. I get that. I get that. (laughs) How about you, Yanni? Uh, For me, it's between Deception and Nine. Deception had like the perfect sort of lore aspect to it i, right. I love the atmosphere the the exactly stuff. yes yeah. oh i'm so glad to hear you say this <laughs> yeah no i mean that, that's the stuff that's cool but again they they would like move off you know with like uh what's it called and they did like what was the one i'm trying to think of the one it was like it wasn't the shaolin it was deadly alliance right no no not deadly alliance deadly uh, alliance was shang Tsung and quan chi which interestingly i found sort of you know it's sort of uh called upon in scorpion's revenge Right. 
Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, listen, <laughs> you have to immerse yourself in this thing, you know? <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, and then it's like, and then when you leave, you're like, okay, they got a new game out. Oh boy. So you guys doing like, you know, any of the Mortal Kombat, like project of trying to keep track of everything. It is, that is a tough road to hoe, man. <laughs> you know I mean? But like, it, it did get better. I mean, it, it's like you said, like Mortal Kombat 2 is is great because you can see them you could see they go oh we've got a hit and we have to kind of like build this out a little bit but now we're at, i mean world combat x was crazy and mortal combat 11 is just it's really fun. dialed it up like it's dialed it up but i love 11 yeah <laughs> i mean because i remember when they did the dc universe one too and i was like oh man we should totally do this as a movie this would be so great but i love that you know it's sort of like Fortnite or lego it's like mortal Kombat has this ability to bring in you know the terminator and you know ash from evil dead like i yeah. love that aspect to it i mean out, as a fun thing but i also love that deep lore of the realms and the there's a simplicity to, hey, it's a fighting tournament that determines the fate of everything. You know, and I would be arguing with Ed and Dominic. So I'm like, so wait, I don't understand. So if you win, you can still, I mean, if you don't win, you can still invade. <laughs> yeah, you can still invade. It's like, yeah, but why don't they do that? And it's like, well, because they want to merge. I'm like, yeah, but they could just invade and then they'll own it. And then they can, buy, you know, and I'm like trying to poke holes. And they're just like, shut up. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, See, as, as fans, we always poke holes in it. So it's, it, again, oh, yeah. it's so good to hear you say this. <laughs> well, but I also think that's the fun of it, right? Like that's the, uh, it's like comic books. Like I'm obviously a huge nerd when it comes to comic books. And I feel what what's fun for me, uh, especially as a writer, is where are those holes and can I possibly fill them and mm -hmm. do it in a way that would be satisfying? Because as a fan, that's really satisfying to me. If you're sitting there going like, ugh. They left this thread. They left this thread. And I can't believe I'll, – I'll, I'll give you the best example. Okay, Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, love the show. And there's a season – I'm not spoiling it because it was on like 20 years ago. So <laughs> um, They ended the episode with Buffy. Suddenly, her sister had – it was coming to live with her. And up until that point, we all knew that Buffy was an only child. And I remember being like – what this is stupid like just angry <laughs> you know and luckily they, there was no twitter back then so i couldn't yell about it and destroy my career in in let's prologue i was like this is so stupid and then what happened was the next year it was almost like halfway through the season the mom looks at the girl and it's like i don't who are you i don't have another daughter and i was like what <laughs> is happening right now and it was like it was like they just twisted the plot on its head yeah. and they were like, oh, she's something different. And so with Mortal Kombat, what I, what I find sometimes is there are these little weird little plot holes and to be able to like sew them up or explore them a little, uh, because I don't know, and you guys will know better than I, they had kind of in like a cut scene, but it was just like splash pages talked about the Quan Chi disguising as uh, Sub-Zero and killing Scorpion's family. And like, but it had, it hadn't been a scene. It hadn't been explored. But we'll jump into that definitely because that's coming up and that's going to relate into some of the questions that we have. All right, go ahead. Give me your questions. Give me your questions. I'm going to talk. I'm going to ramble. This <laughs> hour's going to be over and you're going to be like, uh, no, we, we love it because oh, you yeah. sound so passionate and that's something oh. that we love to hear. No, I, I love it. I mean, there are times where I hear other people interviewed on certain projects and I think, do you even like the project? <laughs> you know? And I, I get very irritated. So well, that's <laughs> definitely not happening with this one. I can tell you that. <laughs> it's interesting to hear you talk about how, you know, in the comic books, trying to 
tie together that lore and stuff like that because you actually had a big part to play with the Flash when uh, they right. brought Wally West back to life because you right. kicked off the whole Infinite Frontier, didn't you? Well, it's interesting. That's that's another like convoluted story where Dan Didio, who was the head of DC at the time, brought a mm-hmm. bunch of animation writers in and said, "Hey, we're going to do this thing called 5G, and we're literally going to just push this universe ahead five years or something." Yeah. And but it was going to be permanent. Mm -hmm. And I obviously have always it's on my bucket list to write comic books. And I was slated to do a black racer thing, which I ended up doing. But it it was it was taking a long time. So my friend Tim Sheridan, who writes on Teen Titans Academy, said to the editor work with, oh, you should, you know, you should talk to Jeremy or I was on a list or something and asked him about it. And and Tim said, oh, you should talk to Jeremy. And so he said, would you want to do this black Adam future state? And I was like, yeah. And I went crazy on that, right? And mm-hmm. then he said, oh, "What would you do with the Flash?" <laughs> and I said, uh, "Yeah, let's let's quantum leap that bad boy. Let's, you know, I want to <laughs> have fun. I want to have a Doctor Who timey wimey. Like, you know, I, I uh, to me, Wally has been beaten on so much. My thing is like, as long as I'm writing him." Wally's going to, he's not going to get hurt. <laughs> you know, like, <laughs> I know that takes away some of the drama, but I'm like, no, he, he has been beaten on so much for so long. <laughs> uh, so, so it was like, oh, I get to bring Wally West back. Yeah. And, um, and that is a, a big thrill. And we're in the middle of it now. We're in the middle of the first arc I have where Wally is jumping through time into different speedsters bodies and it's 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 a thrill it's so much fun it's like it is just an adventure it is not something that's high drama it is not something that you know you're going to get in trouble if you're a kid reading which some Mm -hmm. comics are um i can't tell you how much of a thrill like i i helped create a character called gold beetle and and to be able to have that character enter dc comics and then be on the cover of the flash book it's like <laughs> are you kidding me i'm getting i get to add to the sandbox are you this is the best thing ever so the flash you know getting to do a fan favorite like wally west and hopefully people enjoy it you know i mean if you think about it it's like all these superheroes that are like the big superheroes superman batman wonder woman and they all have sidekicks Mm-hmm. And this guy used to be a sidekick. Yeah. And then he became the Flash for a long period of time. And like everybody loves Mark Wade's Flash, mm-hmm. um, uh, Wally West style and and Josh Williamson with Barry Allen and Jeff Johns. And and so now I'm coming in after these giants, you know, worked on this book. And I'm just hoping I don't wreck it to the ground. You know, <laughs> so, how do you end up writing for DC Entertainment and kind of getting involved with these various projects like the comic books and the oh, and the movies and stuff? So, OK, listen, I mean, this is a, a semi-religious uh, uh, thing. So you're going to have uh-huh. to just uh, like forgive me if this offends you. But it was really funny. <laughs> Basically, what happened was I was meeting with some nerds for a Doctor Who night. Uh, and this was when Chris Eccleston's Doctor Who came out, but it was only out in, in England. And so we had a friend that would get like a bootleg or something, or I don't know, I think you would get it and it'd come over to the States. So it wasn't airing in the States. And so once a month we would get together like five of us, four or five of us and watch Doctor Who. I was really trying to break into the industry, but I had had no success. Uh, and when I say no success, I mean, just no success. I had been like an assistant to a director, assistant to a producer, you know, which was great. Worked a lot at Blockbuster, worked at a bookstore, you know, and I started writing because I was like, man, this, if somebody does ask me for something, I better have something. So Mm -hmm. I I was writing a lot because Stephen King's book on writing is a fantastic book and it was really uh, empowering. So I started writing just a little bit every day and, and I started churning out screenplays and totally scared to give it to anybody. Anyways, there's a guy at this, uh, Dr. Who night called, uh, Jim Creek. 
And uh, Jim is a big muckety muck in animation and writing. And I didn't know that. He said, he said to me one time, oh, what do you want to do? I was like, oh, I want to be a writer. And he's like, I'm a writer. And I'm like, sure you are. You know, because that's, that's, how, <laughs> that's what it is in LA, right? It's just like, yeah. uh, everybody's a writer. And I literally, <laughs> when I moved to LA, I was in a Carl's Jr., uh, which is like Hardee's or whatever, a burger joint uh, drive-thru. And I remember the car in front of me pulls up to the cashier. And the guy in the Carl's Jr. like handed a script to the guy in the car. And I was like, what? Like, and so everybody's a writer. I was like, oh, this is terrible. All right. So anyways, we're still watching Doctor Who. I mean, we're probably like six months into this. I don't know, uh, maybe longer. And I was just telling my girlfriend at the time, who's now my wife, uh, man, it's, it sucks. Like, I have uh, no idea what I'm doing. And we had just come back from church. And there was a whole story about, you know, uh, Moses and the burning bush. And you got, I, I'm sure you've heard the story. And I'm like, oh, look, the burning bush. I go, that's what I need. I need a burning bush. I need a bush. I need, I need God to tell me exactly what I need to do next because I have no idea. And I am failing miserably. And I was like, well, you should pray about it. So I was like, oh, yeah, okay. So I talked, you know, I had a nice little prayer chat with God, like, you know, listen, I can't, I can't work in as an assistant forever. Nobody wants an old dude answering phones for them forever, you know? And the next day I get a call from Jim Craig and he says, Hey, I know this is weird, but I feel like God wants me to be your mentor and I want to put you on my show, but I need you to do this, this, and this. And he gives me like three things to do. And mm -hmm. I was like, okay, that's weird. <laughs> and I did it. And they put me on Green Lantern, the animated series. Oh, and wow. You worked my, on that? I didn't that, realize that. That was my first credit was Green oh, Lantern. Oh, I love that show. Oh, it's such a good show. Yeah. So I did one. Uh, called Blue Hope, and mm -hmm. um, and then they liked it, and they let me do a second one. And animation is a very peculiar thing, so I did those two, and then I had nothing. I worked at a, uh, I was working at a toy company as an assistant in licensing and animation. You write something, and then like two years later, you hope you see it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And um, and what ended up happening at the toy company, I was just, I kept writing. I was like, oh, you guys should do a cartoon for this. You're a toy company. You should do, you have this organic brand. You should do this. You should do this. And I would, I would send them all this stuff. And they're like, you're nuts. And then what happened was Green Lantern came out. And some of the guys I kept sending stuff to were like, why aren't you writing on our show? I was like, your show? What's your show? And they're like, it's called Monsuno. I was like, well, I would love to write on your show called Monsuno. <laughs> and so I started writing for Monsuno. And then I, I became, I got moved up to assistant producer in Monsuno. And then on a Friday, I found out my wife was pregnant. And on a Monday, the entire department was let go. Oh, and I was like, oh, brutal. Whoa. So, so <laughs> the tornado it, of events. <laughs> it really is. And so honestly, um, in retrospect, it was both good. And, it was hard, like, because I was super, super poor. And I ended up becoming, you know, a stay-at-home dad for a good three and a half years. And we were just, I thought, at one point, I thought, I'm going to have to get a job anywhere at night because we're not going to be able to make ends meet. Mm. And, um, and then I was doing ghost writing, a lot of ghost writing and weird stuff like that, which I don't recommend for anybody. And then, um, and then Jim got a job at Warner brothers for justice league action. And he said, Hey, would you want to write some of these? I was like, yeah. And that kind of start the ball started the ball rolling at Warner brothers. And suddenly I was doing these Justice League action, uh, like they're, they're like 15 minutes, I think 10 minutes, 15. I don't know if you've ever seen them. Mm. They're, they're fantastic. Yeah. They're fantastic. And so I did four of those. 
And then suddenly it was like, hey, you want to do the Scooby-Doo thing? I was like, yeah, I'd love to. I, you know, I'm not going to say no to anything. So I, I did that. And then suddenly that got me into the Lego space. And then Lego just started giving me tons of work. And I really love those guys. And we started getting along. And so I'd done a lot of Lego, like Lego Superhero Girls, Lego Flash, Lego Shazam, Lego Aquaman, you know, all those. <laughs> and then we had pitched to my friend who ended up becoming the showrunner of Supernatural, a Scooby-Doo Supernatural crossover called Scooby Natural. And we did that, which is fun because we had to write that a year <laughs> in advance. And that was, everybody loved that. And that ended up getting me a little more oomph. Mm-hmm. And at that point, I had just done really young kid stuff. And then they said, you want to do Mortal Kombat? <laughs> and um, and we were laughing because we were really trying to pressure uh, marketing and PR to put out a trailer that said, from the people that brought you Lego Flash and Lego Aquaman and Lego Shazam, Mortal Kombat. Like, you know, like, 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 like we really wanted people to – like the juxtaposition is huge. And so that was my first kind of like adult, uh, you know, older – obviously animated movie and then Batman soul, the dragon, and now justice society that just got out. And then I uh-huh. went to go work on supernatural for the last season as a story editor writer. And, uh, that was really fun too. So, uh, you know, it, mortal Kombat kind of broke me into the space of, of more adult affair, which, you know, is where I, I like to be. And, That's and so cool. More mature stories, you know? And yeah, I, mean, yeah, I, I, I don't think still, to do a live action one, you know, kill to do a live action, <laughs> you know, any, anything with guns and ninjas, like, you know, <laughs> I don't think your, your, uh, fixation on the gore of Mortal Kombat would have translated well over to Lego. So <laughs> no. <laughs> no, no, not at all. They have, they have very strict guidelines, <laughs> but, but we have this really fun, uh, animated kids like martial arts show, uh, that they sent me over to China um to take part in and and I, I think like the first week of the first one got like 59 million views it's called monkey kid and it's going to be released sometime hopefully soon i keep saying that because i keep being told that it's going to be released soon here in the states but it's fantastic it's uh animated by flying bark who had done like rise of tm uh, teenage mutant ninja turtles so it's this All amazing right. animation style and Again, it's in that wheelhouse of, oh, I like martial arts and people getting kicked in the face and that's yeah. Right, so All right. Well, you then moved on to Mortal Kombat Legends, Scorpion's Revenge. Yeah. Uh, my first question is, why Legends? Well, there is a, um, we had these, uh, a big meeting about titles and what we could do, how we could separate ourselves into our own little niche of Mortal Kombat, and people wouldn't be that confused. Like, we don't want to, you know, we want to make, it it was more of a a branding issue, you know? Yeah, yeah. it's legally allowed too, you know? So uh, Mortal Kombat Legends gives us kind of a, an overarching brand. Like if we could do more of those, we could say Mortal Kombat Legends, you know, Sonya's Toe Blade or whatever, you know? (laughs) It's like, you could do that sort of thing so it gives us something that we can you know what the hope is that it's successful enough that people will go man we really want these and we can just make a bunch of them you know Mm -hmm. like a sort of animated universe from mortal kombat yeah exactly that's exactly right and so you decided to go start off at least with a focus on scorpion why what was the decision to to sort of retell the age-old Mortal Kombat story but with this sort of focus instead yeah I mean I think it's a it's just a jumping off point for fans and uh you know non-fans alike so the story of scorpion 
in that context, I think for me, I mean, the honest truth is I wanted to keep the focus on him even more, but it needs to be a retelling of the first tournament, but mm-hmm. also give it just enough of a flavor of like, hey, this is something a little different. I know there's a lot of fans that are like, oh, this is just the thing we've seen before. And this is kind of like, well, here's some a few other things to help you along. Because mm-hmm. if we get if we can get this out of the way, if we can get this kind of like the first retelling of this and we add enough stuff in there that you feel like it's new enough that you will you'll stay on, then if we do another one or another one, then you'll know it's like, okay, uh, it's like the origin story in any superhero movie. It's like, okay, we got the origin out of the way. Now we can tell other stories. Yeah. yeah. And that's that's the goal of that was just kind of like a, a launching platform for people. So when you start off the movie, you know, you had the scene with Hanzo and his, his son actually talking about mm-hmm. uh, the backstory of a scorpion and how it's it's will that kind of yeah. makes it so menacing. Did, was there kind of an inspiration for this scene? Because yeah, I mean, it, that, that it, really happened to me. It wasn't a scorpion. Really? It was a, a mantis. And um, oh, wow. uh, 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 it was a mantis and, and some ants. Uh-huh. My parents were divorced when I was very young, but one of the things I really remember my father saying is like, look, you can see this mantis and this mantis isn't going to go down without a fight. Like, you know, it's it's being attacked and swarmed, but it keeps going. And so that's always stuck in my brain. And so this was kind of a, a way to take that and twist it a little. Like basically every time I write, I'm excising some weird demon from my past. So that is where that kind of came from. And I'm very much in the mindset of if you knuckle down hard, it's kind of the Rocky thing. It's Mm. like you can overcome anything. And I think when you have something as just and righteous as Scorpion's family being murdered, you get it. Like I have a family, I get it. And it's like, no. And and what was interesting when we, when we wrote it and I remember writing it and I remember people being like, this is really dark. And Mm -hmm. actually Rick, I think had animated his son being killed or at Mm -hmm. least, you know, we had seen it and this time you see it, but it's not as graphic as it was (laughs) because you can only do so much, (laughs) you know, Mm -hmm. but, but I really feel like when you watch the prologue of Scorpion's Revenge, there's so much emotion and there's so much intensity in there. And when you see Hanzo frozen, like, I'm going to kill you, <laughs> you know, it's like mm-hmm. you, you kind of believe it. So that's where that came from. It's a beautiful inspiration. Oh, yeah. yeah. You could have saved that scene for when they uh, do a remake of Fox's The Mantis. Yeah. That was like the big 90s show. <laughs> I remember that with Carl Lumley, who also yep. plays Marish Manhunter and was just in uh, uh, Falcon Winter Soldier and Alias, which I love. I freaking oh, love yeah. That, so. <laughs> so, you know, next up on the movie, let's dive into the lore a little bit. Okay. So, you know, we have the whole scene where Hanzo actually gets killed. Yeah. The route that you went with this movie was more like uh, what we had seen in Mortal Kombat Legacy, where it wasn't actually Sub-Zero. It was Quan Chi all along. And it it kind of differs from the video game a little bit, because in the video game, it was Quan Chi that basically hired out Sub-Zero to kill his family. Uh, I'm I'm curious, like, what was the inspiration from that? Was it from Mortal Kombat Legacy? Like, you guys just kind of liked how that story went and you decided to go that route? Yeah, no, that's exactly right. Also, um, I feel like Sub-Zero gets, uh, he kind of gets the shaft a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. You know, it's like, (laughs) oh man, I didn't mean to do this. Um, But, or like, this isn't me, what are you talking about? But it also lends itself to, obviously, his brother and that whole story. And I think that's important too. You know, Mortal Kombat has so many characters, you can only do so much. But we were trying to also weave in the idea of Quan Chi and, you know, Shinnok and all that stuff, because I think that stuff's important. And I think hopefully we'll get a chance to explore it even further. 
And so if we're going to explore it further, we need to set up some of those guidelines. If we had just done, oh, he, he hired out and he did this thing, then there wouldn't be as much of that manipulation. Like there's this moment in Scorpion's Revenge where he like, Scorpion is literally impaled. Mm-hmm. Quan Chi shows up. It's like, oh, guess what, moron? You know, <laughs> you the typical Quan Chi thing, right? And then you see Scorpion, like, you know, grab the thing and start pulling himself out, and and you as an audience are like, oh hell yeah, you know. <laughs> and, and that's like that. That's you know, you're trying to build to that like catharsis of. There's this uh, Rambo Four is the best way I can explain this Rambo Four. <laughs> um, What's great is if you grew up in the 80s, you've seen uh, Rambo 1 through 3. And you know that Rambo has like defeated all the Russians, <laughs> you know? And in Rambo 4, it's like there's these spec ops guy and they're just, they, hey, boat man, just stay in the boat, boat man. And you're thinking, oh, buddy, you don't even know. That's, <laughs> that's Rambo. Like, <laughs> and when you unleash Rambo, he's going to come for everybody. So like at the end, when, when Scorpion shows up and uh you know kills goro somewhat unceremoniously mm-hmm. and is like oh okay uh they're basically rigging the game in a way within the context of the rules and at the same time you have we leave it on that very like you know that's our empire strikes back note where luke king is like yeah you know wait i was supposed to win this thing you know mm-hmm. and raiden says to him it's like oh no you're not supposed to win this you know you're supposed to win you're supposed to beat shao Kahn. and so right. there's there is this long game that Raiden's playing and that everybody's playing this weird chess match. Mm-hmm. And and what I hope, uh, especially if we get another one, you can see where that long game plays out and it'll make more sense because Liu Kang also doesn't have a prominent role in this particular movie. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's intentional because I want to be able to make a prominent role for Liu Kang in a movie. Yeah. You know, it's funny you talk about Sub-Zero because on the scene where, you know, Scorpion shows up and faces him at the end yeah. of the movie, the whole time I'm thinking, this poor guy has no idea. <laughs> no idea. He's just like, still- uh, <laughs> like this dude's <laughs> just coming at me, you know, but, but that's the other thing about Scorpion. He is kind of, he is hell bent on revenge mm-hmm. and Raiden is kind of talking to him and they're all kind of like, there's more to life than revenge. You know, there's more to life to this. There's more, there's more at stake. And that's the thing that kind of pulls him a little bit. But at the same time, he, he makes damn sure he gets his revenge by the end of that movie, you know, and that's, such yeah. a, it's a dark scene, you know, it's like, uh, my God will avenge me. And he's like, damn, you're God. And it's like, <laughs> and I'm sitting there writing this going like, man, this is messed up. Like, you know, I can't believe they're going to let me do this. You know? I can't believe there's going to be a cartoon. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That's exactly right. Yeah. Did I say that lore correctly or did I miss something? No, you did actually miss something. Um, basically, what, what we were asking about with regards to the inspiration of MK Legacy was you use the sort of legacy Scorpion uh, Shirai Ryu being killed off by Quan Chi right. scene, right? Now, in the games, what actually seems to have happened is that Quan Chi is hired by the Lin Kuei to get rid of the Shirai Ryu. So right. we never actually see him pretend to be Sub-Zero and... Although that can be argued to have been the case in MK9. Uh, just clarifying on what uh, right, Fan Tim right. said. One thing that I found quite interesting as well uh, in terms of inspiration from Legacy was you used Scorpion's, well, Hanzo's wife and child's original name, Satoshi and Harumi, rather yeah. than the retcon pet names. No, no, no. I mean, it really was a conversation. And it was, it was us going to Dominic and the people at NetherRealm. and like, which one do we use? <laughs> <You know? laughs> and they're like, These, this one. 
I'm like, okay. It is a weird thing because I do think that Mortal Kombat's gone back and forth on different things. And we're trying to be additive, you know, but at the same time, this is kind of an alternative universe version of Mortal Kombat. You know, yeah. So we're not going to get everything right, mainly because we don't have the time, and they didn't know if this was going to be success or not. So it's like I, you know, we had to condense some some stuff. To confirm, by the way, you like we're happy that you went with the originals. This is a good thing. (laughs) If anything, you got it more accurate than some of the other (laughs) sort of things. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I know. I was thinking about that. I was thinking about like what would I have done, and it's interesting because we had to cut out some stuff in ours and um, just because of time. And there's mm-hmm. so much more in my mind about Sonya. And there's so, and I was thinking about this in, in general, cause like, you know, I'm sure you watch movies and you think, well, how would I have done it? And I think about that. Sonya in particular is an interesting character that doesn't get explored as much as she, I, I would like her to be. And the idea that she is somebody that is a female in a, in a predominantly male, uh, you know, military, and she's really good. So she has that kind of pressure on her. And then at the same time, she's she's very mission driven. And I was thinking about some of the current Mortal Kombat things. And I thought, oh, man, there's just a lost opportunity. Like she's not chosen there either. And she's still trying to prove herself from being a soldier. Like that could have been a real interesting thing. Sonya as the, the chosen one would be interesting, too. But whatever. You know, with Sonya, you added like a whole new dimension to that character. Something that we hadn't seen in previous Mortal Kombat incarnations. What, her foul mouth? (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Ronda Rousey might have added some of that. (laughs) (laughs) The thing is, I I was a big fan of Dexter. And uh-huh. Jennifer Carpenter yes. was that character. Sister. Yeah, right. and she just, just foul mouth and rough. And so when I was writing Sonya, sometimes you kind of cling to like, who would be the character you'd want to uh-huh. be this character? And I literally wrote it for Jennifer Carpenter. I didn't know we were going to get Jennifer Carpenter. <laughs> I didn't think that That's was a amazing. possibility. And then it was yeah. like, we got Jennifer Carpenter, you know? And, I was like, <laughs> and so that was, that was really fun. And, and she was great. But yeah, she's pretty hard in this. She goes, she goes pretty hard in this. At the beginning of it, when it's kind of going through her flashbacks and she's thinking about how she's, you know, people always been like, you're just a little girl. You can never do that. Yeah. Uh, kind of like the uh, Captain Marvel movie. This is sure, the same way they, sure, yeah. they kind of did that sort of thing there. But I, I think you did it better. Yeah. Well, to be fair, I wrote this before Captain Marvel came out. So I, 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 I wanted to know. I did not rip off anything. I have, I have two daughters and uh, they, they, oh, are, okay. they are in the throes of that where, you know, my oldest daughter would come back and say, yeah, I'm not, you know, I can't do this because I'm a girl. I'm like, oh, hell you can't. Like, you know, yeah. like, so. Um, <laughs> so it wasn't so much like a gender politics you want to write into as more no. actual real life experience that you're putting into your story. Yeah. I mean, listen, the misogynistic piece of it is this, uh, you know, and is that when I found out my wife was pregnant, mm-hmm. um, I, I was like, oh, man, I hope I have a son. I mean, I'll be, I'll be really honest. I was like, oh man, I hope I have a son so I can play lightsabers and, and, and we can do this and do this. And my friend looked at me and she said, you know, you can do that with girls, right? And I was like, yeah. <laughs> what? You know? And that was like right before like, you know, the new Star Wars movies came out, DC Superhero Girls. So, so my career suddenly uh, moved and I started doing uh-huh. Lego DC Superhero Girls. And I started going like, Hey, look, Gold Beetle is a girl in DC Comics. Black Racer is a girl in a comic because I have two girls and I want to kind of give them something to look back. Like, look at my dad built these worlds and these ideas for me. And, yeah. and so with with Sonya, it's one of those things too. It's like, 
she's a BA warrior. And I kind of wanted to give her some hook to be like, this is why her psychology is like this, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And again, these are, I mean, what is Mortal Kombat Legends? It's like 79 minutes. They all should be as as far as I'm concerned. But, oh yeah. uh, And in fact, we had to, we have to cut out a lot because it's just like, we're going They're They're like, Jeremy, you turned in another giant script. I'm like, listen, this isn't my fault. (laughs) (laughs) It feels longer than it is in a good way. Yeah. 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 So you were talking a little bit about uh, the voice casting. Did you really have any input as to the voice actors that you had in mind while you're writing this? Yeah. So Jennifer Carpenter, for sure. Uh, yes. I, basically they go, who do you want to be in this thing? And you give them a wish list, and mm-hmm. then they go, yes, we can get this person. We can't get this person. We can't, you know, they, they do that sort of thing or they go out to people. And the fact that we got Joel McHale, um, Gosh, and John Cage was just so, so good. good. And listen to me, I'm telling if there is anybody in the live action Mortal Kombat space, I know everybody wants to have, um, uh, what's his face is Johnny Cage, but I'm oh, telling you, Brian Reynolds. Oh no, the Miz. Everybody's like, oh, the Miz, is, yeah. I'm like, I'm telling you right now, Joel McHale is ripped as all crap. Oh, he is. He and is. It's like he's sarcastic. He can act. He'd be <laughs> so freaking funny. And what was so great about it was Ed Boon. You know, I think that was one of the good things too. It's like Ed was so enthusiastic about the project, mm-hmm. and he was so complimentary that we were so collaborative. Mm-hmm. And uh, at the last Mortal Kombat tournament or whatever they had, uh, and he they they introduced the trailer for Mortal. He, he I mean, he just he really promoted the heck out of. Oh yeah, Final yeah, Combat, right? Yeah, and he really and he had on his Twitter account and everything, and he was so gracious, <laughs> and it felt so good to know that. Oh look, these are the guys that we really have to please, and they mm-hmm. they're pleased. So, you know, yeah, I, the real backing of the actual creator, you know, yeah, that, that's, yeah. that's awesome. But Joel McHale, man, whew, he, he really knocked out of the park and he would, he would improv off stuff or he would say, man, this line is really dumb. And I'd be like, oh, geez. You know? <laughs> but, but in a way that he's like, we've heard that a thousand times. What if we did this? And, and I got to tell you, being an animation, sometimes you will stunt cast, AKA get a celebrity dude to do a voice mm-hmm. and it's not great. And it's not yeah. like they, they just want to come in and go in and go out. Joel actually cared. He actually was like, to the point that Wes Gleason, who's our voice, amazing voice director, was like, you know, okay, we're good. You don't need to do it anymore. Because he would just he would just keep going. And he would do these incredible takes. And then he would make up another joke. And then he would do this. And we're like, all right, all right. You know, it, it, <laughs> he was so willing to contribute. And that's such an incredible thing. That's amazing. Yeah. With the uh, consultations and stuff, did you get to talk to John Tobias also at all? I, did, was... I didn't know. I mean, we oh. our, our main uh, touch points were Ed and Dominic. Uh-huh. Um, and those were the main, um, you know. Yeah, that's impressive, especially, you know, because he made a lot of the original lore and you managed to capture a lot of that in this movie listen we relied heavily on them so i don't even know how to say dominic's lesson that's like shin Chiolio. yeah it's been a point of contention on here but, <laughs> but, but he's like the coolest guy and he's the one who has it like so straight in his head but there's a lot of, there's a lot of those guys there that like um i don't know the answer but i'll get you the answer you know so we really tried to to go down the straight and narrow with what they wanted. The other thing about Mortal Kombat, which is hard, is, you know, if we get to do more of these, you know, the thing that I'm somewhat afraid is that people die, you know, and there's, and every character is somebody's favorite character. And that's the thing that I'm always just like, oh, geez, 
you know, if we get to do more of these, we're going to have to kill people off. And that's going to make people angry because you can't just have everybody be okay. Cause that's not the game. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> I think one way we can sort of calm your worries about that is that yeah. it's mortal Kombat and right. everybody dies. <laughs> that's right. that's everybody, right. comes back. everybody dies. Everybody comes back. I mean, that, <laughs> exactly. was, the thing. that was the worry with um, Jax and Goro and Jax getting yeah. his arm ripped off that way. But I, you know, I have plans for that. So, you know, again, it's, it's about condensing and the choice was, do I put Jax in or don't put Jax in? And it's like, but if I put Jax in, I can set him up for something else. And that's, that's my goal. And um, I'm hoping that that will pay off because there's so many characters you have to service. Speaking of Jackson, the way it was done was the Mortal Kombat tournament hadn't actually begun at that point, right? Right. And so was that one way of demonstrating Shang Tsung's kind of sneaky side? Yeah, it's like, these are the rules, but hey, these aren't net, not the rules. Like, you know, the whole impetus behind Sony is like, I'm looking for my partner um, and getting kind of like sucked into this game, but also raising the stakes in terms of Jack's like, oh, look, in terms of a Mortal Kombat thing, it's also us trying to give you something new that you weren't expecting so that it's like, oh, wait, Jack's just got his arms ripped off. I and mean, we all know that's going to happen. It's mm-hmm. just a question of how. How? Yeah. <laughs> it's happened and, so in so many different ways at right, this point. Right. But but when I was writing it, part of it was that it was the forearms of Goro. I was like, oh man, that's it's such a like a like almost a crucifixion in a way. Oh yeah, like an iconic scene. Yeah, and it's like, oh, look at his arms and her just connecting. Like I found him. I immediately found him, and then this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. You know, is brutal. And and of course we did this kind of like Enter the Dragon Island, you know, kind of in the middle of all the realms in a way, you know, a neutral zone type thing. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's crazy. With Sonya entering the tournament, so you said that she was looking for a partner. Do you mean that she was looking for Jax or yeah. kind of like the original lore where she had a partner that was killed by Kano and that sort of thing? No, I, in my mind, it was always like she's looking for Jax. Uh-huh. And uh, because Jax is her partner and it's like, OK, I'm going to track him now no matter where it goes. Um, and, and of course, there is I mean, there's a bunch of things I probably would have done differently. Like would I make Johnny as stupid for so long? I don't know. <laughs> I mean, it, it's funny to me because what we were really trying to do with Johnny is like he literally thinks this is a movie for a long time, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but but we were trying so hard not to have him fight for the ent- almost the entire until the, end. until the very end because <laughs> right. we thought this will be such a great move- moment. But we have to do it in a way that he doesn't he can't fight pretty much the entire time. <laughs> so even his fight at the beginning. Uh, you know, he's he's just mostly dodging and like trying to get out of the way, you know. Yeah, and he accidentally drops a building on somebody. He double middle fingers him, and, like, oh, yeah. and then and then at the end when he comes in like Van Dam, you're like, and she's like, holy, and Johnny Cage can fight, and it's like, yeah, you know, that's that's that kind of moment you yeah. want. So now it's like, oh, everybody knows Johnny can fight now, and and, and that's. That's the humor in that because the rest of the time, every time he gets ready to fight, Sonya is like helping him out, or somebody else is helping him out, and uh, <laughs> and I think I don't know. I think that's part of his character a little bit. Yeah, you know, I, I think you kind of took that 1990s Lyndon Ashby yeah. portrayal <laughs> and expanded it, and you yeah. know, because that's that's I mean, he kind of wrote the book on Johnny Cage because right. so much of what he did is kind of seeped into people's minds. And yes. I mean, that's what, and that's what I feel like Joel did too. Like he took what I had and mm-hmm. then he, um, he amped it with his kind of like, 
sarcastic, you know, whatever. I'm not, I'm not familiar with who does the voice for the, um, and I don't want to take anybody's job, but I'm like, Joe McHale, come on, man. Just, just give this guy um, Johnny Cage uh, in everything right now. With Johnny, he gets punched in the balls a lot. <laughs> We've come full yeah, circle to this yeah. question. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I tell you, there's like two or three that we had to cut out. Like, it was just like. Weren't there already four? <laughs> yeah, I know. I know. That was the note. It's like, okay, now it's getting egregious. I'm like, is it? Because uh, it's pretty funny. <laughs> Are you doing this so that Cassie is never born? Is that the idea? Yeah, that's the idea. Right. I mean, right. Sonya literally busts his balls the yeah. entire movie. Yeah. Well, it's funny to me because that was his move, you know? And so she just keeps kind of like just nailing him. And it just comes out of right? <laughs> kind of this weird positive reinforcement. And what's so great about it in terms of the character of it, here you have a guy who's a movie star that probably <laughs> has a lot of, uh, you know, women that want him for something else. And here's this woman that comes in and is just like, I don't care, you know, and I'm going to uh-huh. kick you in the nuts, you know, and it's like, it's like, and he, and of course that's like, I love this girl. Like, you know, like, that's thing. <laughs> I was curious. I was, I was so curious if it was more like, you know, you just enjoyed the humor of it or <laughs> if I, you've no, never I, been punched in the balls and oh, you didn't know what it feels I, like. <laughs> no, I've been kicked in the balls way too many times. <laughs> so, uh, but there is, there is the humor aspect to it. Because I think internally in the psychology, Sonia is going, you know, it's this kind of like, I cannot be attracted to this idiot. You know, right. like, this, yeah. is, this is stupid, you know? And <laughs> it's kind of like her acting that out a little bit. It's like, I'm going to make sure that that I am not going to have the feels by kicking this guy in the nuts. And obviously, when I do that so many times, this guy is going to leave me alone. Of course, Johnny's like, she cares enough to kick me in the nuts. <laughs> <You> know, like, <laughs> to, to any women listening to this, please do not do that. That's, that's it will not you, make them fall in love with that's, you. That's how you get a boyfriend. I just tell you right now. <laughs> that's how my wife did it for me. And no, just <laughs> Um, so you mentioned, well, we, we talked just now about uh, Johnny, well, not fighting. Uh, yeah. His scene is against a Tarkatan. Can you confirm yeah. whether or not that's supposed to be Baraka? Uh, I don't think it's Baraka. I think it's just one of the um, actual race of them. Mm-hmm. So okay. what about Sonya with uh, Sorry. Same with that. Okay. That's how okay. I feel. Because, so it's because- not Reptile or Baraka. No, I don't think, I mean, listen, maybe this is just one man talking, but I never thought that I, because, because I would rather be able to use those characters, the real, the quote unquote characters that everybody knows mm-hmm. uh, over and over, like uh, it, later on. I just and wiped away we, a tear, by the way, hearing this, no, keep going. Well, <laughs> no, this is a good thing. This is a good tear. <laughs> because, because to me, it's like, if we establish that there's races like that, then that gives us a lot more room. And in animation, it's not, it's not like you can do everything. It's like you you have to actually pay people to make the model of a character and then mm-hmm. you have to animate that character and then you have to do blah, 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 blah. So like the black dragon, they all look somewhat uniform because that's going to save us some money so we can do some other stuff. And mm. so if you can make these characters that are also a race of characters, then are a race, a particular race, then we can reuse them later on if we get more opportunities and then then you can give them more to me we see this character he died and honestly i mean the other thing is i don't even think i mean aside from reptile getting killed the way the way that he gets killed or i won't even say reptile i think the characters if they're the actual characters from the game should get a, a, probably a little more you know yes. before they're killed that's that's <laughs> then, good to hear you know at least you didn't name drop 
reptiles original name right <laughs> like like they did in the live action movie like that kind of takes away a lot of hope as far as seeing that character again yeah no that's 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 how i feel i mean that's how i feel i mean maybe some other people are like yeah that's reptile but i never i never <laughs> felt that way because as a writer i want to have an out so that i can go ahead and bring them in if i needed to if i get another yeah. chance you know that, that, that's one thing that the, i've noticed from the fans so obviously you have a lot of people who their favorite characters are baraka or reptile or somebody else who is considered a, a jobber right and the jobbers yeah. never really get their time to shine and right. they're just used as well fodder so it's really nice. That's why I'm saying I wiped away a tear. It's so nice to hear that you even place importance on those who are considered jobbers at this point oh, yeah, in the yeah, universe, yeah. you know? Yeah, yeah. No, that's that's kind of my that's one of my favorite places to play because um I'm a, I'm a big fan of uh finding those characters that are somewhat not as beloved because <laughs> then, then the bar is so low that if you get to do something cool to them, people are like, This is the greatest rendition of this character ever. <laughs> you know. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Under the same vein, there's a couple of the characters I'd like to mention, and I just want to kind of confirm. So you have a, a centaur, so I'm assuming that's not Motaro. Uh, um, right. And that then there right. was also like a, a Oni uh, that seemed to be kind of inspired by Moloch. Um, and uh, I think the torturer for, uh, uh, or like, a, yeah, well, he tortures Hanzo at the beginning. And then you also have yep. the, the follow up Oni come in who Hanzo yep. takes off his head. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, these seem to be all, all basically inspired by. That's right. I mean, that's yeah. uh, when I talked to uh, Rick and the storyboard guys were mostly in charge of that. So it wasn't even a specific. It was kind of like who lives down there, you know? Yeah. So that's cool. Okay. So I, I mean, just on that, that topic then, because I'm wondering about how far it goes with the actual writing as compared to say artistic decisions. So the second mm-hmm. Oni that we just mentioned looks very much like one of the Oni from Mortal Kombat Mobile. Was that an artistic decision or your I'm own? I'm sure that is from the storyboard and art. It wasn't something that I wrote in there, and the, but those guys were doing huge Easter eggs and stuff. So I would I would put in, uh, you know, especially the main ones. I would I put in a lot of the locations, but he he had to change some of the locations uh, from the games. Like I would put in a lot hmm. of the locations from the games. You go, oh, we can't do that location from the game, but we can do this location from the game. And there was also some question with Netherrealm, like, oh, we don't want you to use that location. We're like, okay, we won't use that location. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was, uh, it was interesting. It reminds me of, uh, when we interviewed some of the actors from Mortal Kombat Conquest, they were given a Mortal Kombat Bible from Midway at the time. And, you know, the same kind of things. It was like, you can use these characters, but you can't use these characters. You can use this scene but you can't use this scene and stuff like that right they, they was kind of handed off to them yeah ours was a constant dialogue there wasn't anything like definitive that they gave us it was mm-hmm. mostly, basically like i'm digging up stuff like hey can i use this can i do that and they're like uh yes no no yes no yes you know? what inspired <laughs> you to put nitara into the movie i didn't do that that was that oh. was that was so uh a rick ethan move and i laughed and uh, uh i thought that was so cool because uh-huh. it was like you know I did put Johnny, you know, eating all this stuff and saying certain things, but then yeah. like her being the one that's there was really, that was really them. That was such a fantastic, like, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> did you hear about the, the thought process behind it or at all? Like maybe they knew that uh, she was no, possibly I being mean, cast in the movie? No, I don't, I don't, I don't think that was the case because they never let us know anything that was happening with the live action mm. world. I think it was mostly like... I think it was just that these guys were like me when I write, I'm like going in a deep dive and finding things that are interesting to me through the lore. And they were doing the same thing from an artistic level. 
and they were finding all sorts of things. Um, there are some other Easter eggs. Rick's told me some of them people have heard, some people haven't. I'm not going to say any of them now. But like you know, the idea that there are little things from different games in throughout this movie, just to give, I, you know, I, I guess you could call it fan service if you want, but it's really just like, hey, we're in this world, and again, we don't we don't necessarily have ten movies to do everything. You know, we only have one, and. Mm-hmm. It, and we want to do as much as we can in that one. So. so with doing as much as you can in that one, like there was obviously a lot of inspiration from different parts of the Mortal Kombat universe. Right. I mean, we, we've mentioned Legacy. We, we definitely see some MKX in terms of, I'm assuming, the X-rays and such. Yeah. Uh, was that, again, something that you wrote in with the script or were the X-rays something decided by someone else? No, we had talked about it beforehand. And I remember Rick saying like, oh, I want to have, you know, X-rays. I want to have some of these fatalities and da, 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 da. And I was like, great. And so I would comb through different fatalities and I would comb through, you know, different X-rays and I would put some of those in, but they obviously took it to a different level. <laughs> you know, you know, uh, they they took it to the nth degree, and I love it because <laughs> the funny thing about the X-ray stuff too, uh, my familiarity with it uh, pre uh, Mortal Kombat X was that um, there was this great Sonny Chiba sh- uh, movie called Street Fighter back in the seventies, um, in which they did. I mean, this is the seventies. They did an X-ray punch in the middle of the movie, and it's super cool and it's so low tech. But I mean, this is like kind of <laughs> old school way, and so. You know, Rick was very clever about the use of it, I think. And, and those were some of the first things I saw animated. I was like, oh, my gosh, this is so dark. Um, and it was so great, you know. But it was, mm-hmm. it, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just, again, uh, Rick and I have done like 10 movies together now. So oh, cool. there's a certain element of like, we're just back and forth all the time. Yeah. And it gets, sometimes it gets mixed up. Sometimes it doesn't. You know, I it's, it, it's it's really fun because we both, um, you know, just vibe off each other. We uh, had mentioned earlier like, how you kind of had Johnny Cage was very similar to Lyndon Ashby's. And, you know, you even had the, the boat scene from the original 95 movie. Like what other kind of inspirations from Mortal Kombat stuff, like anything from Mortal Kombat Conquest that kind of influenced your writing with this? Uh, not conquest. I mean, though, mm. it's funny. I, I, I bought all those and, uh, I don't know how to describe this, but I'm such a sucker like for, <laughs> I'm such a sucker for syndicated television. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> and I, especially syndicated television of a certain time. And I remember seeing some of that on TV, but I could never find it again. It was like, it was on one day and I'm like, where is it? You know, right. um, <laughs> so much of it, it's weird. Cause it all blends together in some ways. Yeah. Uh, there's mm. so much of like the, there's the 90s element, the 95 element, you know, there's fighting movies in particular, like obviously Mortal Kombat in itself is is a derivative of like Enter the Dragon and Bloodsport and all that stuff. So I don't know. I think I think there's more elements of Enter the Dragon in a way, just because it's oh, yeah. like Scorpion is kind of doing a little side mission at the place. Mm. You know? Oh, yeah, yeah. Kind of like how like uh, Bruce, Bruce Lee's yeah. character was yeah. Yeah, actually Straight there. Straight out of a comic book, man. Yeah, exactly. Right. Yeah. <laughs> One thing that was interesting was how Sub-Zero was written now. Obviously, he's sort of innocent as it's yeah. actually Quan Chi who's, you know, caused yeah. Scorpion's uh, pain. But yeah. why is he fighting for Shang Tsung in this? Oh, yeah. It's a certain element of like, they're still paid warriors. Uh-huh. Okay. And and so it's it's like I don't necessarily think either clan is necessarily good or bad. Okay. Uh, you know, they're 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 paid for certain things. Um and I I think he in this particular instance didn't know 
necessarily what was going on. It's kind of like, hey, I need you to be, uh, you know, kind of like, <laughs> I don't even know. It's kind of like, hey, you're security for this uh, tournament type thing. You know? <laughs> and it's like, this guy's trying to kill me. Like, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> you know there's some of that. There's some of that because I, I feel like, how do I describe it? Because because the Lin Kuei has, you know, kind of this storied. Uh, hired, hired, assa- hired assassins, basically. Hired it's, assassins, but it's also yeah. like you you got the stuff that happens with like Cyrax and Sector and like all mm-hmm. that other stuff. So it gets convoluted even within that own clan. So the idea that, you know, he might be there because he's just being paid to be there. And mm-hmm. honestly, because you have Shang Tsung and you have Quan Chi and like all those people are in cahoots, there is a certain chess element to it. It's like, I want Scorpion to do this thing. And so I'm going to put this carrot on a stick and put it in front of him to make him do this thing, you know, because we need to figure out they're trying to game the system in a way so that Shao Kahn's going to win. That's very interesting because, you know, on the other hand of this, you have Kano who right. literally hires out people to assassinate the warriors yeah, like yeah, yeah, bringing yeah. the Black Dragon. Yeah. And then Sub-Zero turns to him and says, you've dishonored the tournament. Right. So you have <laughs> yeah these two characters that seem to both be working for right. the, the bad guys. And then one of them has, it has honor to him and right. Kano has none well, at all. That's what I always felt about like some of these assassins. I do feel like th- they're assassins, wink, wink, but they also have a code of ethics, you know, in a certain weird way. Yeah. Um, and I, I had to give some sub zero, some love, you know, it's like, <laughs> all right, you gone too far, you know, right. you can't do that. So. That was my favorite fight in the movie. So it definitely oh, goes to yeah. Does Kano actually die when he gets the hammer to, or the axe thing to his eye? No, you said or? it yourself. No one actually dies. <laughs> hey. <laughs> Already thinking like, a, like an MK person. A person? Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah, no one actually dies. Hey, listen, I grew up in comics too. So it's like, uh, you better chop off their head and burn their body, like, you know, to make sure they're yeah. dead. Otherwise. <laughs> right. And even you, then. <laughs> yeah, even then, you don't know, you know. I mean, the fact is, Hanzo died and then fought his way out of hell. Like, you know what I mean? <laughs> I mean, speaking of Hanzo, I like how you wrote it in that he technically breaks, but doesn't break the rules of Mortal Kombat as he's right. sort of fighting for Outworld. Right. That's uh, what, right. Was, what was the idea of Quan Chi allowing a Netherrealm representative for Outworld? Well, I mean, because in this, I believe that uh, Outworld kind of had purview over those other realms. So I, I, if I'm right, it's like, I'm trying to remember the hierarchy and what they told us, but it's like, they do have like the nether realm could fight on Outworld because it's just like the Edenians can fight for Outworld because Outworld now controls those realms. Yeah. So it's like, uh, is Katana uh, fighting for a D? No, she's because it's been taken over. So technically she's fighting for, you know, it's like saying, oh, Puerto Rico is a territory, not a, a uh, state of the United States. Technically, they're under our umbrella, so they really fight for our side. You know, that's the stuff in the lore that gets really dicey, you know? So I, uh, uh, you know, the idea was that, but Quan Chi was looking at something bigger. He, he uh-huh. was looking at, oh, the return of the mad god, you know, and then that mm-hmm. will, that will, in a weird way, give us all freedom, you know, or, you know, whatever that looks like for Quan Chi. But uh, the thing is, it's like Scorpion immediately is like, okay, now it's you versus the king. And it's like, yeah, I give up. You know, it's Mm -hmm. like, oh, snap. You know, it's like, I mean, that's, that's, 
that's the tricky thing of that. And then getting the amulet and all that stuff. Stuff. So if anything happens, we'll have to do another podcast. Uh, to talk <laughs> Sounds over. good to me. Yeah. <laughs> that brings me into my last big question about right. the series. And it's, you know, it's kind of been the point of contention for a lot of the strong Mortal Kombat fans with how this story came about. And that was that fin- final scene where Liu Kang isn't the one who beats Goro, right. but rather it's, it's Scorpion kind of coming in. And, and I know you talked about this a little bit uh, earlier, but yeah. this, this whole idea that Liu Kang is the chosen one, but right. I mean, it's, it's, he's no longer defeating the champion for right. the other realm. Right. Like you, right. you, he, he's not well, regaining that. that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I mean, but that's, that's the arc. Uh, hopefully that'll be satisfying if we can, um, if we can land it, because mm-hmm. I mean, we obviously left it with like a huge cliffhanger. Where it's yeah. just, he's sitting there and he's just downtrodden, you know, and there's nothing better than taking your hero and beating the crap out of him and then seeing him rise from that. Uh, yeah. Because he's at the end of the movie, he's at his lowest point. And it's like, I didn't do the thing I was supposed to do. What's foretelling is the fact that he's like, no, 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 you don't understand. You're not supposed to defeat him. You got to defeat this guy this bigger thing. And that's, what's the most important thing. Like I, you know, I've only, I've only shown you a piece of your destiny. Basically. It's like, I know you thought it was just this thing, but it's so much bigger. And uh-huh. and that's kind of what we're hinting at. And if we didn't, if we didn't do that, like, let's just say that it's like the 95 uh, Mortal Kombat and he wins. And then it's like, okay. And then we're going to roll right into annihilation or whatever. It's like, well, we already know this guy is the strongest guy ever and he can beat anybody and blah, blah, blah. So it just, it feels like the stakes aren't that great, but Mm, if we're giving you something new in terms of something that you're not sure of as an audience member, because you, you, the only, the only way I can describe it is when I watch game of Thrones, I had read all the books and I'm watching game of Thrones and I'm like, yeah. I knew that was going to happen. I was that jerk. It's like, yeah. I, mean, I, wasn't, I wasn't exactly like the book, you know? And then, <laughs> and then suddenly um, I, the show caught up to where the book was. And then after that, I was going, I don't know what's going to happen, you know? And that, that was exciting and also annoying. So, you know, yeah. if you're a fan of Mortal Kombat, rightly so, you know, it's like the end of Empire Strikes Back. You're like, wait, 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 wait. Uh, Han Solo just got frozen carbonite and he's gone. It's like, yeah. yeah. It's like, well, well, what happens? It's like, I don't know. We'll have to find out. It's like, and now you're like, oh crap, you know? And, and the thing about genre is we're huge. We're all huge fans of things and we get mm-hmm. deeply invested in things. Yep. But we have to remember that, uh, you know, it's not, it's not over until it's over. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like we purposely set up like, Hey, I hope we can tell the second story. And if we can, I think those concerns will be addressed because I mean, obviously I wouldn't, take the chosen one and immediately, you know, go, this guy sucks. And like, you know, leave that as the last thing you say in a movie. If I didn't have some idea that like, I hope to, you know, give him a chance to shine, uh, you know, that would be pretty dark. You know, it's like, oh, well, we won, but boy, you really blew it, Luke. (laughs) You know, like uh, nobody wants to see you do anything. So the Mortal Kombat community, I mean, it tends to be all over the place with how they react to anything (laughs) Mortal Kombat that comes out. But the story on at least uh, Rotten Tomatoes got uh, 90% from the critics and 87% from the audience and managed to get, I think it was like $3 million uh, for domestic sales. That's awesome. Like, are you happy with this reaction from the community? And then um, is it kind of what you expected? I Well, it's not what I expected. Uh, I, mean, I, really <laughs> did, I really didn't have any idea, honestly. I, 
fandoms can be really hard. Uh, yeah. you know, having come from supernatural, even Scooby-Doo, even you know, these comics, <laughs> it's like you get an element of people that are like really complimentary and they're great. And then you get people that will find your Instagram with your daughter and post under oh. it. I hope you die, you know? Oh like, yeah. And you just go, okay, that's not fun, but everybody's passionate about the thing. Right. Um, and they had told me like, you know, the Mortal Kombat community is really big. And I'm like, sure it is. You know, mm-hmm. I, I didn't really understand how big <laughs> it was but it did really well for everybody i think and everybody was really pleased and my job is to respect what has gone before and i want to make sure that somebody like ed boone and dominic are happy because they're the ones that are are caretaking the franchise and mm-hmm. if i and and if i'm working for warner brothers animation and we want to be in the mortal combat combat business i want everybody to be happy with it. And that's a weird needle of thread. And luckily it felt like not just with I I did, but obviously the whole team, which, you know, animation is the most collaborative art form, I swear. Um, I think we all cared about it in a lot of ways. And we were able to do things that we've never been able to do, especially in the kids space. So, you know, the reaction I think was great. I think it's gratifying because even with this live action movie that came out, you know, a lot of people are Oh, you, oh, you also got to see Scorpion's Revenge. You got to see Scorpion's Revenge. Yeah. And that's, that's really, that's really, you know, heartening because it, it makes you feel like, oh, we, we must've done some of it right. You know, <laughs> so you're never going to get it perfect. Even as a writer, it's like you have limited control. You, here you go, you know? So mm-hmm. yeah, it is what it is. I know we've kept you for a while. I do have two questions left, <laughs> if that's <laughs> all right. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the first question is related to what you mentioned earlier regarding cut content. Is there anything you could let us know about that? Like what sort of stuff? was cut would we possibly be seeing it later i absolutely cannot tell you anything <laughs> uh, i don't know what they're what they're holding on to and what they're doing but like i sign all these ndas and stuff that i can't talk about it um i just know that it just expanded some of the scenes you know okay yeah um, so, yeah i can't say much more All right, then I'm assuming I'm going to get a similar answer here, but I'm still going to ask it anyway. (laughs) So now at the end of the film, you actually give us a bit of a teaser as uh, with a scene with uh, Shang Tsung and Shao Kahn, sort of teasing uh, the invasion, basically, rather than an outworld tournament, as one would expect from the games and skipping straight ahead to Mortal Kombat 3. Where do you take a sequel from here? Uh, I don't know. I mean, the, uh, the idea is that, again, I'm going within the strict Mortal Kombat rules. Right, which is technically, um, technically, according to the World Combat rules, the idea is that if Earth Realm won, they break their streak, right? Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the fact is that now that they've broken their streak, technically they're going to have to, you know, whoever's going to have to win like 10 more times. And, um, but the same thing I asked Dominic and Ed, uh, you know, Outworld could invade and, you know, just invade Earth. And destroy it. And uh, that is kind of the idea of like what they really want to do is merge everything. But if they like my feeling is why don't they just invade and then destroy it and then they'll take it over and then they can just do a tournament. You know, sure, it'll be a couple thousand years, but they'll eventually win again. Because they have all <laughs> the people on there, you know, um, I'm just trying to go within the rules, quote unquote, that the elder God set up and uh, go from there. So we'll have to see. Because if Shao Kahn is sitting there going like, hey, I've been thwarted, the only thing I see is we got to we gotta go in and, and just take this place now because I was on the verge of winning and now I'm mad. Then we're going to mm-hmm. see what that means. 
that doesn't necessarily mean we won't see another tournament. It just means uh, we'll have to figure out how we get there. And that's all I can say, because otherwise I'll get shot in the face. <laughs> so is, that, is asking if we can expect a sequel soon going to get you shot in the face too? I mean, you can ask. I'm just going to tell you, I, I, I don't know. The, I, I leave those up to the elder gods at Warner Brothers. <laughs> all right. Then how about a question that won't get you shot in the face? Okay. Uh, although could relate to shooting someone in the face. Yeah. What is your favorite finisher in Mortal Kombat? Oh my gosh, listen, I, this is going to be cheesy, but it's the toasty because it's just, the, it's, <laughs> it's toasty. Like, yeah, it makes me laugh so hard. And, uh, and it still to this day makes me laugh. I think I tried to get Jill McHale to say it in that high You did, high, yeah, after the building to, falls. I tried to get it to be like high pitched and it, that didn't work out. But I, oh. I, I, <laughs> because I think that's so funny. Um, but those are my favorite. I, I, there's a couple of the new ones that are just so violent that I was just like, I liked it for its sheer audacity, but I, I, I can't think. There's an Aaron Black one I remember seeing going like, oh, my <laughs> goodness gracious, you know. Steps on the head. Is that the yeah. one? Oh, yeah. yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that's so dark. So, Jeremy, where can our listeners find you? And is there anything you'd like to plug before we let you go? Uh, I have a new movie that I've co-written out called Justice Society in World War II. Um, mm-hmm. that is out on uh, digital and will be out on, uh, I don't know, something else soon. And uh, The Flash, I write the comic book for DC comics, which has been fun, comes out monthly and you can find me at space kicker on uh, Twitter. So space kicker on Twitter. And that is where you'll get all the latest information and stupid observations from me. <laughs> we will be leaving a, a link to your Twitter for those quote unquote, stupid observations for sure. <laughs> <laughs> thanks. Thanks. I appreciate it. I appreciate your time guys. No, we appreciate you. Yeah, and thank you for joining us. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And thank you to all of our listeners for stopping by the Realmcast today. Yeah, Jeremy, again, thank you for joining us on this episode. It was really a pleasure to have you on the Realmcast. Oh, thank you so much. I, I hope a I didn't get in trouble and that people uh, <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> you can find Yanni and myself, Phantom, on the Mortal Kombat group on Facebook, as well as Yanni on the Mortal Kombat meme realm. Special thanks again to Uppercut Editions, who are creating the Mortal Kombat Compendium for the continued support. You can follow them at Encyclopedia MK on Twitter and the Mortal Kombat Encyclopedia Project on Facebook. You can catch up on all episodes of the Realmcast on YouTube, Facebook, iTunes, and Spotify. See the scorpion? No matter how many enemies, it continues on. It is strong, yes. It is fast. But do you know why the scorpion is feared? Its will.